discussing the Slim Shady LP uh, that will be turning 24 uh, on February the 23rd. So a little bit of statistics on this album. It was the second studio album from Eminem. Uh, for those that know, his, his release, his first release was Infinite. Uh, however, it was a little bit unsuccessful. So he went back after that and done an EP titled the, the Slim Shady EP which he took with him to the Rath Olympics in 1997 and ended up giving it to an intern that worked for Jimmy Iovine. Uh, so after that, Jimmy Iovine got a copy of the cassette and gave the EP to Dr. Dre. And as most people would know, the rest is history. So after that happened, uh, Dre and Eminem decided uh, to work on the Slim Shady LP. And there was a couple of producers on this album, uh, as well as Eminem and Dr. Dre. We also had uh, Melman and the Bass Brothers. Uh, the Bass Brothers were from Detroit and also worked with Eminem on the Slim Shady EP. On the label-wise, it was released on Dr. Dre's Aftermath and it was also Jimmy Iovine's Interscope. So it was two, two labels that the album was released on. Features from the album, uh, Dr. Dre... Paul Rosenberg did a skit, Zoe Winker done a skit also, Dina Ray appeared on track 13, and Royce the Five Nine appeared on Bad Meets Evil track. The singles from the album were My Name Is, which was the lead single, followed by Guilty Conscience, and finally Role Model. The chart performance for this album, it debuted at number two on Billboard with 283,000 sales, it lost out to TLC's fan mail album. As it stands now, it is six times platinum. My Name is uh, as a single got to number 36 in the USA. Uh, it done really well in the UK. It got to number two. And Guilty Conscience also done well uh, in the UK charts. That got to number five. The album artwork is a purple background with Eminem and his daughter Hayley and there is also a body in the trunk. Full Moon is displayed in the background as well. Ratings that the album got came with a f- probably mixed reviews when it originally came out, but a lot of them have been re- resubmitted ever since then. All Star Music gave it five stars. Rolling Stone magazine gave it four stars, and LA Times gave it three and a half stars. So I'm delighted to be joined by... Uh, all of my guests this time, uh, it's the first time we've actually had everyone on for a while. Um, so we've got Jamie, Jake, Blake and Ross. And we're going to begin uh, with a little track by track. So uh, all the guys have got little five segments of tracks and we're going to go through them all, review each track individually uh, and give them their thoughts and, and any backstory on it. So I'm going to get Jamie on and he's going to kick off with uh, the first track of of the album 
Um, so yeah, Jamie, just when you're when you're ready, if you want to go ahead and just explain um, your your first five picks. Yeah, lovely. Um, so as I've got the the first five, I've got the the public service announcement. Um, my name is Guilty Conscience, Braden Damage, and the first ever pool skip. <clears throat> so obviously with the public service announcement, it's not really much to to break down in that. But what did make me laugh is I've just gone back and listened to it and there's a part in there that says children should not um, participate in the listening of this album with laces in their shoes. Now, make of that what you will. Either your shoelaces have been stolen or if you listen to this, you're going to hang yourself. That's what I got from this. Um, But, you know, I think... It gives you a flavour of what to expect throughout the the whole album, and then we go straight into one of his. Well, I'll tell you, he's a classic hit. It's one of you know the most noticeable songs he's ever done, even to this to this day. It's it's just that the the first line high is with that high pitched voice. Um, yeah, it's 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 the first time we are introduced to Slim Shady. He's got. You know, he's got the shock factor in it. He's got, you know, there's a white guy with blonde hair, blue eyes on TV, rapping about his mum doing drugs and committing suicide and encouraging kids to do drugs and having, you know, mentioning the Spice Girls, Pamela Anderson. I, you know, Joe, until today, I didn't even know Nine Inch Nails was a rock band. Did yeah. anyone know that? Uh-huh. You knew that? I've, no, no, I, I just legit, legit thought he, he was putting Nine Inch Nails for each one of his It's a double, <coughs> a double as they would call it. Yeah, yeah, um, there you go. But that, I've learned. I mean, MTV, like MTV helped Eminem that early on because they were playing that uh, on, on their music stations quite a lot Yeah, uh, when it came out and that probably did help. <coughs> Obviously, it wasn't a big, a, a massive hit in terms of chart success. As I said, it got to number 36 uh, in the Billboard mm. charts. But yeah, j- just for that, as a, a debut... Sort of single, I believe Role Model might have came out just before it, but we can go back to that later on. But uh, for, yeah, for, for, I, for I, my I name, it's like, yeah, it, the, the video that Kate accompanied with it uh, had had really good success, and then that, that yeah. continued for the album. Yeah, I've got I've got some more stats of it here. It's um, in VH1's top 100 songs of the 90s. It got number 26. Um, and it also samples uh, a British singer, Labby Sifris. I I've butchered his name. I don't know. I don't know who he is. But um, from a nineteen seventy five track called "I Got Thee," um, it also has a, the bass and guitar riff by none other than Ark at This Boys, Chaz and Dave, famous over these ear parts. Um, <clears throat> and it won. It won two awards. That song. Um, it won nineteen ninety nine um, for the MTV Video Music Awards. It won the best new artist in a video, and in the year two thousand, it won the best solo rap performance for the Grammys. Um, so it, it done it done well, and I think um, if you look at it down the line as well, I, I I put it as a sort of a four piece series. I I intertwine Hi My Name Is with the real Slim Shady without me, and just lose it from the. The next three albums, uh, as you will, I feel like it's almost, uh, yeah, a series. That's how you can describe it. They've all got that similar, similar shock value, similar 
out there radio play to it as well. Um, Did you say that he won? He won a Grammy for My Name Is You. In, it, I'm, I, that's what I read. It won, won a Grammy for the best solo rap performance. That might be the album. I'm not sure. That says something. Like, even yeah. though that early on, like he was, he was even getting nominations. Yeah. As well, which is I, something I'll have to go back and look into that. But that's what, yeah, that's what I've seen about it. Um, but he's also throughout the years he's referenced that high the, you know the 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 high pitch high my name is um lyric in in a few songs as well he's um he's done it in I'm back obviously um when he goes oh you, you think of my name now whenever you say hi in the Richard verse that he done on the Obi Tarras album he he mentions it there and in Evil Twin I don't know if you boys know of any more but they're the three that come to my head um when you think of hi and like in, in Evil Twin, he goes, hi, faggot. And then in the, the Obi Trice one, how does he go? Um, uh, I'd like to introduce myself. Uh, he said something, then he goes, hi, Ike. Yeah, you see, like, he, he, whenever, yeah. But it's, it's like, whenever you hear it, it's true. Whenever you hear it, you think of him. Whenever you hear of, when you, whenever you hear hi, you think, that's it. So, yeah, I think in terms of, it's, it's a great first lead single ever, really, because you, if you, you take Infinite out of it, it's him introducing himself to the world. That's simply what it is. It's, you know, it's outrageous, some of the things that he says, um, but it, it captures your attention, and it, whether it uh, captures your attention for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, you're going to sit there and listen to it. Yeah, and then we got, obviously, Guilty Conscience, which is... The first time we hear M and Dre together, um, and it's the first real, the first real sign of, you know, his storytelling prowesses. Um, you know, you've got it from the good and the bad side, the, the angel and the devil, the head and the heart, if you like, with your your guilty conscience and your, you know, wrong and right, what you should be shouldn't be doing. Um, yeah, that's it. It's like you, you want to listen to one shoulder, but, you know, you're listening to the other. Um, and we, we first see the, you know, the evil persona of, of Slim Shady because you, you've got Dr. Dre's, you know, the cool, calm collective, you know, sit, you know, think about it, think about what you're doing. And he's going like, no, fuck that shit. Like, shoot that bitch. Um, so he's, what do you listen to, your head or your heart? And this is a trivia. This is a trivia for you, boys here. He mentions someone for the very first time in this song, and I've only I clocked this last week when we decided we was going to do it. So who does he mention for the first time? When's the first time we hear this person's name? Do you know? I'll be right in saying, is it Stan or yes, 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 It is, it is. Meet Stan, twenty-one. And I listened to that. I was like. Is that the Stan or is it? But it's 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 crazy how Stan, even you know, as the song and to this day, his fans are called Stans, and I just thought that was quite interesting to put that in there. You wonder um, how if that if, when he was creating like Stan before it even had a title, if he listened to Get With Conscience and those those mm-hmm. names that were in it, going that's a perfect that's a perfect name. Stan. It is. It's this. Yeah, it's yeah. You could think of it that way, but it's, even like you, you think of all the things that he's thought of. He, he, 
I can't even begin to fathom how this man's brain works. It's just, especially when we're doing these album breakdowns and, you know, it's just, it blows my mind how he can even think of half the things that he writes and comes up with. But, um, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Fun track of his, his mainstream debut album, you know, Exactly. And do you know what it is? It's, it's one of them songs. It's very cinematic. It's, you know, that's the one thing I love about M's music. You can you can close your eyes and you can. It's almost like the, a music video of yourself, or, or, or in your own opinion, in your own visions, plays out in your head. It's so cinematic and his storytelling so vivid. Um, and especially in this song, you, I I personally I get the feeling when I'm listening to it, I'm like, what what decisions would I make in that situation if I was each one of these people having gone through all of these situations and obviously your head's telling you one thing, your your heart's telling you another, what way would I go? So that's that's quite clever of him to do it that way because it you're you're invested in a different way than just listening to the lyrics. Do you know what I mean? You're you're almost getting involved with it. You're almost dissecting it in a way of how would I act in that situation, which I think is very clever. Um and then we go on to probably one of my favourite songs on the album, which is Brain Damage. Um, again, it's, it's storytelling, it's, some, it's shocking storytelling, slightly over-exaggerated um, in, in ways, but he's mentioned that before in the past on Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if you boys have seen that episode where he teaches Jimmy how to rap, and he says, any truth that you have, times it by 100 and and put that as your bar almost so exaggerate it that much like when he says in there that he, his brain fell out of his skull he put it back in his head sewed it back together shut he's like but things like that actually happened during you know with, with him yeah, getting bullied and beaten up a lot of truth to, to, to that story a lot, yeah, a lot of truth to it Hollywoodified as you would call it as well it's because you need that yeah. shock value you need that sob story you know yeah, exactly, and I think that's the first. Again, again, it's storytelling base. When I listen to that song, it's the the way that it's put together, the way that the the rhyme patterns are and the flows, and you know when when he's rhyming certain words, and you really sit back and think, "Fuck, like, who is this guy?" Like, obviously, we we know who he is now, but you can imagine at the time I would have only been. I would have only been five when this was released, so I obviously didn't listen to it when I was five. I was probably still watching Barney the Dinosaur on TV, do you know what I mean? My mum's not going to let me listen to Brain Damage by Eminem. Um, but you can, I can imagine the target audience at that stage and, and, and the people of the correct age listening to it <clears throat> thinking, Jesus Christ, yeah, what, like... What is this, this white kid that's saying what, this stuff? Like? Yeah. What is this like? This the, my favorite part of the song. I'm gonna completely butcher this. Is when he goes, um, I got up and ran to the janitor's storage booth, kicked the door inch, uh, yeah, was it? Kicked the door inch loose and ripped out the four inch screws. Grabbed some sharp objects, brooms, and foreign tools. This is for every time you took my orange juice. Obviously, I've not said it how it rhymes, but it proves that you can rhyme the word orange. Yeah. With that whole that whole segment there, I listened to it and blew it blew my mind when I first ever heard that song. I was like, Jesus, holy shit, man! Like this, is, how do you even 
Like, I, I can write songs myself, yeah, but I could never in a million years, if you gave me unlimited amount of time to come up with something even half that decent and the the way that they rhyme back and forward, ins and outs, it's... To, and thinking of yeah, thinking of ways of how to say the words so they rhyme better. I can barely speak English. Do you know what I mean? I can barely, I can barely speak it normally. Let alone write it in a way that yeah, I think it's just incredible. Just that them little four bars there. Yeah, that's that's my favourite part of that whole song. Um, but yeah, brain. I think brain damage is a very very good song. Um, I think it's you know especially from that album it's I think top three for me um, for that whole album and then we go on to um, the first of many Paul skits which you know they've become famous uh, for me I, I'd say the Paul skits are my favourite skits that he's he does or, or on the albums either that or um, the ones where Ken Kniff comes in at the end of the album and starts singing after songs, I, th- I think they, they make me laugh. But really I think, really yeah, yeah, but he does. But I think do you know the, the the good thing about the Paul skits is how consistent they are. It's it's like M is Paul, and then it's like on every skit, it's it's the same the same intro. It's just. I don't know. It makes you feel like you're part of the conversation, yeah, listen, and every time it's like going through post gets like it's almost the first one being '99, most recent, recent yeah. one '2018's Kamikaze. So like it's like a sort yeah. of journey in its own. Like you've followed Paul Rosenberg's voice memes since like the, the late. Yeah, every every time, every time it's like fuck this man. I can't yeah. support you. Fuck you, this. You've done too much now. <laughs> <you're> <laughs> You see, either Paul or actually, no, the Steve, the Steve Berman skits. Yeah, really good. When, uh, really good well. The one on the Eminem show when he goes, he, he shoots him and he goes, it's, relapse. It's the he best. Comes back and relapse and he's, yeah. yeah. But that's, that's the whole. I know skits aren't, aren't massively, but in, in Eminem's albums, they are because they add to that cinematic effect. Almost, do you know what I mean? They're, like you say, they're a story in themselves, and like you know, the Paul ones have been going on for however many years now. And like you said, just then with Steve Berman, when he gets shot in, shot in uh, the MMM show, and then in relapse, he's like, like he comes back and he's he's complaining about how he's been shot, and it all adds to the cinematic effect. And I think that's the best thing that Eminem does as an artist is creates them cinematic songs and cinematic albums where you can just take yourself to a completely different world by yourself listening to them. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's it, yeah, that's me done that's, for my that's five. The first, that's the first five tracks of the Slim Shady LP. So uh, as Jamie just described, public service announcement, my name is Guilty Conscience, Brain Damage, and then the Paul skit. So Jake has uh, the next five. Uh, from this album, and uh, Jake, yeah, feel free to, to go when you're when you're ready. Yeah, cool man. So, so coming in, it is one of my top five tracks of the album. Um, my top five though doesn't have a particular order, but anyway, um, if I had, it is one of the uh, original songs from the Sun Shady EP that managed to make its way onto the LP. Um, a fun thing about this song is. Like it was actually wrote in the summer of 1997, but it was recorded in the winter 
Um, but when it was getting written, it was at a time after, you know, a lot of things had gone wrong for Eminem and, and stuff like his life, you know, like your financial situations, personal situations with him and other people and stuff like that as well. Yeah, this would have came um, in the back of uh, probably Infinite's sort of flop status, basically. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, if you're in the mindset of, you're right, I've got this album that's going to be doing so good, and then all of a sudden it just does terribly. So you're like, oh, if I just had a million dollars, you know, everything could change. And that's pretty much also where this song comes from as well. It's like, if I just had that set amount of money, everything could change. I could do so much to my advantage or just do something to just fuck the world. As he mentions, if he had a million bucks, um, he'd wish for a big enough house for the whole world to kiss and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just a lot of like um, strange and funny things coming out of the song as well, it's where it's like, dark, you know, I'd buy it. It's quite a dark track. It's it is. It's, it is. It's one of the darker tracks on the album because it's like, it's a darker, chilled out rap, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is being real though at the same time um, but this is uh, one of the songs where he had co-produced on the album as well uh, it was him and the Bass Brothers that had done this yep. um, and I didn't actually realise quite a lot of the albums actually um, produced by either Em and the Bass Brothers or the odd few songs that is Dr. Dre um, whereas obviously you know everyone always thought this was more of just like Dr. Dre's you know album for Eminem but I think I just pretty much gave it the start, and it was mainly yeah. like M and the Bass Brothers that yeah, actually mastered the producing. Yeah, that's something that. Yeah, because that's something that I never actually realised as well up until recently is how much of an involvement they were. Uh, because obviously they'd been with Eminem since like Infinite or uh, Slum Shady EP, one of the two, but they'd been with him for a long time even before this. So it's good to see that even on his first mainstream album they're still there with him and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but then coming on to the next one, so you've got 97 Bonnie and Clyde. Um, this was also on the Slim Shady EP as well, and it was originally called Just the Two of Us. Um, one thing this song actually does do is, for the Marshall Mathers LP, when you have the song Kim, this song, 97 Bonnie and Clyde, actually set up Kim to be a prequel That's to that, right, so yeah. like you've just going to kill Kim, this is a song of him, you know, go and finish and get rid of the body and stuff, which is then where you see the album cover, which is seen from the song, Mm -hmm. if it was in picture form, where it's, you know, him and Hayley just there, um, just about to dump the body into the water and stuff as well. And even bringing Hayley into conversation there, um, a little part about the song is at the time of recording, Eminem had actually lied to Kim about making a song. Like you said, that he was taking Hayley out to Chuck E. Cheese, like, you know, American fun plays and stuff like that. Um, but instead he actually went and took her to the studio which it's pretty funny but at the same time it's not it's like yeah I'm just going to go take her out a little play date and inside he's like right hey close your ears right Kim blah 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 you know just going on about right we're just going to get rid of her don't tell your mum so the fact that it was called because this is what I've been trying to think about it's called 97 Bonnie and Clyde so, mm. is that, am I right in saying you probably wrote that track in 1997? Um, it could be. I do know, though, that the title of the song actually paid homage to Tupac's 96 Bonnie and Clyde, so it's possible it could just be onto that. Um, but it could have also been, because it was for the Sunshade EP, which was in 1997, mm-hmm. um, it's possible it could have just been for that as well. That was something that I never managed to... 
that was something I never actually managed to find out. But everywhere I searched, I could just see, you know, it was just based on uh, the title was to pay homage to Tupac and stuff like that. Yeah. So it could have just been that. No. Um, but as much as I like this song, it is another one of those really dark tracks of it's just nice and slowly, but at the same time, it's just you don't realize how dark it is until you actually like close your eyes and listen to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially the fact of he's talking to his child who was like four years old at the time. It's not even that. I think she was three at the time of the, um, the song actually coming out properly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty scary to think that's how he was talking to her. So Obviously, like dark, on, the song, a, on a song standpoint, anyway. It's a lot of dark tracks. There's a lot of dark tracks on this, but that, that is definitely yeah. one of them. But um, yeah, especially when it starts off when you've got "My Name Is," which is like a fun little, you know, is, song that everyone goes yeah. to, and then all of a sudden it just it just changes. turns dark, it just turns crazy. <laughs> it does, but then um, but yeah, there's a few other things on the album as well. Uh, that's like that, but um, but anyway, just coming on to the next stuff as well, um. You've got another skit on the album, so we've got the skit Bitch, but if it, you listen to the clean version of the album for any reason, I don't see why you would, though. Um, you'd actually know it's called Zoe. Yeah, um, the, the the girl, the, yeah, the girl that features on it's called Zoe Winkler, I think it is. Yeah, Zoe Winkler, who, if anyone knows, Henry Winkler, like the American, American actor, like the guy that was the Fonz on Happy Days, mm-hmm. that's actually his daughter. Yep, sure, and um, somewhere they'd heard this voicemail, and some somehow it came across like Eminem and the Bass Brothers and stuff like that. And they're like, right, let's try and use this. So in order for them to try and use it, Eminem offered Zoe Winkler $300. But she turned it down. And she's like, no, nah, I want to have a sit-down dinner with him instead. And then on the way to the dinner, he just kept thinking, oh, for all, the whole way through, he was like, right, I'm just going to have to smack this girl, just knock some sense into her pretty much. of like, you know, shush, this is mad stuff that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as soon as he got there, apparently she was like super chill and everything and like everything changed and flipped and that stuff that he's actually said as well in one of the books that he published at the time, uh, just after this album came out as well. Um, but it's pretty cool to see that he's used other people's disgust as an advantage on his own album to show that he really does not give a fuck because obviously that's the point he was trying to make from the stands, uh, like, you know, from the get go and everything and, to be able to actually just get this and be like, yeah, I am disgusting, but you're still listening to this far anyway, so I may as well keep going. Um, and it was it was something that was, it was pretty fun as well. Uh, but that was also um, produced by the Bass Brothers as well, which, as mentioned before, a lot of involvement in this album. I think back. actually they, they have... They need to get back involved in They do, because imagine what it'd be like now, obviously that, Thinking of it back then, as to like more of the dark tracks or just you know whole album there for a debut album as great as it was. Do you know do... when they stopped getting involved? Hmm? When did they stop getting involved? The bass brothers. Um, I think that was. I could be wrong in saying. I think they had a slight involvement in encore, and then just after encore, they kind of dipped. I also think yeah. I could be wrong, but I'm sure. Beautiful on relapse. They had a slight involvement in that track. Although it didn't mm. deal with relapse, but they did have something to do with that track. Yeah. But I think you might be right. Is probably it probably encore? The end of the Marshall yeah. Brothers LP, the start of encore was probably the last thing. Because the last I, last I heard from it, heard of them is when they um, released Infinite on streaming platforms to celebrate 
20, like the, the song Infinite to celebrate 25 years, I think it was, of that being released or made by the by the Bass Brothers. I don't know which one, but one of their sons uh, was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's supporting Eminem. So, uh, yes, know, yes, I, I saw that. They managed to get their tickets or, or whatever. But, um, so hopefully it would be good to see more music from because that, that was a, a good era like, for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. And how... With everyone as well saying, oh, I missed it all them and I'm like pre-overdose and stuff like that. That would have been great for all those fans that turn around and say, oh, I really like the early M&M. It would give them something to look forward to of, oh, he's going back to these producers, he's going to be making these type of tracks again, stuff like that. It would really boost in streaming and sales as well because you'd get all the older fans yeah. bumping his new stuff, which would be obviously great for him as well as great for all them to in a way, relive it instead of getting just expanded editions of instrumentals or bonus tracks that, you know, were produced but never released because, well, they weren't that good. Um, but yeah, uh, but anyway, I'm just going to keep going and moving on here. Next one we've got is Role Model, which is probably in my top three for the album. Um, Sheila, because as it is a great track, um, but the main reason being the instrumental is so easily stuck in your head. I don't know if that's with anyone else, but for me, it's, it's just always stuck in my head because it's that part and it's a guitar. Riff, yeah, it's so catchy. It's always stuck in my head, which always then makes me play the song, trying to get it out of my head. But when I'm sitting, trying to listen to it to get it out, instead I just sit and vibe along to it, rap along to it. And I think that's also why it's stuck in my head because it's just something that you can always rap along to because you're always going to remember one part of the song and just go from there, whether it's a start, middle, or end kind of thing. Yeah, one of my... I've got a question. I've got a question. Yeah. Go ahead. Don't you want to grow up to be just like me? <laughs> <laughs> I've been receiving women in Did you know? So... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Danny. Favourite bit on, on that song is uh, Hillary Clinton tried to slap me and call me a pervert. I ripped her fucking tonsils out and fed her shirt. I mean, how... Oh, that. Yeah, it's, it's literally like it is just um I have forgotten the words. It's literally just a rap record. That's literally what it is. There's no need to have a meaning behind it. It's literally just just straight up just rhyming, put it together, it works, right, let's just release it. And it turned out great. And he did say there was a message behind it. He said the message of the song was complete sarcasm and how he he's literally like don't look at me like I'm a role model because these are all things I'll do. And it was a song in sarcasm way. But uh, did you know the part that says, don't you want to grow up to be just like me? It was actually Melman's idea to have that line. And then Eminem liked it so much that he kept it and he filled in the blanks. For example, uh, I came to the club drunk with a fake ID. Don't you want to grow up to be just like me? Um, all that part there was Melman and then Eminem just filling in those blanks and stuff. Um, and then the song as well, um, Eminem and Dre were in the studio and Dre had just finished a track and the rhyme scheme had came from a rhyme that Eminem was making the night before so it's almost as if he'd full on prepared to just have this for the track even if it kind of didn't fit or something or just to try um, and all of a sudden it just worked and it was a great song It was um, and, by a music video would I be rated to? I'm sure it was um, I think so, yeah. I'm not too sure on that yes. one Yes, yes, yes 
Oh yeah, yeah, because it was uh, three singles. It was that just don't give a fuck, and yeah. my name is that was the uh, three music videos because that was the three songs that M and Dre worked on together. Wasn't it? Guilty Conscience, my name is. And oh, Guilty Conscience. Were yeah. the official singles from the track yeah, from the album? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Guilty Conscience had a video there, um, and then um, yeah, that was also a track that was produced by Dre and Melman. Uh, nice to see that obviously Marlon's getting the producer credits as well as some writing credits there for obviously that chorus line as well um, and it is it's just one of my it is in my you know top tracks of there because it is just one that you just constantly go along and vibe with and so much of that is Lounge Lounge is the uh, guitar where I never meant to give you mushrooms or yeah Lounge is the lead up yeah so it is yeah, the lounge. That's the next part of quite, the album as well. Quite a good little intro, like before. My thoughts. Yeah, it is considering it is considering it is literally just four lines. Um, I don't know about any of yourselves, but to me, it kind of felt like it was a campfire song vibe, where it's just a few people just sat, you know, around somewhere. For example, sat at a campfire, and it's just joining in, even though it's just those four lines. Yeah. Um, that song, the only people on it was Eminem, Mark Bass, and Jeff Bass and was actually produced by themselves um the same with my fault as well which eminem co-produced for that one as well so again just shows you as to how much they actually produced the album as well yeah, yeah. um and it was it was pretty fun to as a lead up to that as well and it just goes straight into do 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 like that part for my fault so that is um, first, but yeah that is the first 10 tracks that these you guys have reviewed so we'll get uh, Blake and Wilson in a few minutes uh, for their part so join us in a couple of minutes Alright okay so we're going to hear from uh, Blake now um, who's going to go through uh, his five tracks so um, yeah Blake go ahead when you're you're ready Alright mate yeah so uh, the first track I'm looking at is My Fault um, now yeah. don't know if a lot of you knew the backstory about the track but the track's actually quite a personal one to him uh, basically uh, well, back in the day, he but he was experimenting with uh, mushrooms and other psychedelic drugs with a friend of his, and his friend just lost his head, mate. His head had gone. He was he was in a very depressive state. He was saying, you know, like all he was fetching up loads of backstories. He started panicking, and obviously Eminem was playing that point of, ah, oh, man, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. It's fine, don't worry, you know, like this and the other. And he was he was convinced that he was going to die. Obviously. That is basically the same storyline as my fault. You know, mm-hmm. he instead of it being Eminem's friend, he changed it to a girl that he meets at his party, convinces her to take these psychedelic drugs, and her head pops because she's had too many, you know, and she's fetching up loads of traumatic experiences, and she's convinced that she's going to die, which obviously she ends up does, you know, she ends up dying at the end of the track. And yeah, cause it starts. It starts off really. It's the start of the album. The story. The start of the song. You know, it's oh, just take it. It's just it'll be a laugh. And then obviously the consequences that that, that lead to it uh, towards the end of the track as well. Yeah, this is it. So <clears throat> I I looked at it as one of those like it, it's very good storytelling, and like obviously you've got the whole story of you know he's at a party, meets this girl. Obviously they end up doing mushrooms together ends up going bad and he only takes the time to think about his actions were wrong when you know she starts losing the plot and she's basically on death's door 
Mm. He starts panicking, trying to, you know, blame it on the person he got the mushrooms from, trying to find a solution. Obviously, there's no solution. But obviously, the second point I look at it like is the track that Jake covered, role model. Obviously, it's going on saying that he's no role model, you know, and this and the other. So I look at like, could it also be a case of, you know, he's also saying that, like the 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 drug side of things, you know, he's he's not the one who gets these kids on drugs. You know, the drugs have always been there. It's on their own accord that they're experimenting, but now there's a scapegoat that everyone can use against that fact. Yeah. So I've... Uh, it's, it's, it's very, it is very well done because it is, as you say, like a sort of frat party that then obviously goes on to probably the early hours of the morning um, and then it just takes a turn for the worst. And like a lot of people have probably experienced that like over the years we're going back to like house parties, gaffs, etc. And, you know, that, that sort of stuff does happen in real life and, and probably quite a lot of weekends as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to see that story through through his eyes. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, now, obviously, on to the next one is another skit. And am I right? It's a Ken Kniff skit. Am I right in saying this is the first time Ken Kniff had been introduced on an Eminem album? Yeah, I would say this is, uh, this is his debut because I think, if I'm right in saying... It, was it the original? I don't know. Who, you you may, you have more of the, the story about it than I do at the moment. But um, yeah, it's, it is a debut for, for that. Yeah, album. so uh, to be fair, this has got to be my favourite album. And this is also... In school, mate, I was known for just copying Ken Kinnis voice. And this is the skit that made me do it. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I used to do it like... I used to wait till we were in an exam. And I used to try and recreate this skit just because it was dead quiet. Oh, mate, it was hilarious because obviously, basically, the back the back story of this skit is that it's another one of Eminem's sort of alter egos, Ken Kniff, but it's also like a separate character. He's actually getting sucked off by both members of ICP. Now, this is uh, technically the second encounter he sort of has with ICP. The first one was where he ran them out of a club in Detroit. And now, obviously, he's followed it up with this one, saying that basically they're nothing but a bunch of hoes and this, that, and the other, and they're just sat there sucking him off. And, oh, mate, it's absolutely brilliant the way he does it. And, obviously, it leads on to that whole beef as well. So, it... Yeah, that was just the... I think that the, the beef started when Eminem was trying to promote a gig in Detroit or something like that, from memory. And like, yeah, they didn't like it or whatever, or... I just keep wearing from that, but I, um, yeah. So what what was after Ken Kniff? So after Ken Kniff, you had come on everybody, uh, but obviously instead of C O M, it's C U M, which is only yeah. is only present on I believe American, South American, and European versions of the album. I think it was actually changed on other versions of the album worldwide. Uh, for, yeah. <laughs> for for obvious reasons, the, the PC political yeah. Correctness. Um, <laughs> Now, this track and the track I'm going to be doing after this actually sort of relates to each other, but I'll get to that point in a minute. I quite like this track. It's one of my favourites. It's very comedic. It's very light-hearted. Um, the first line's a bit mad. Where he talk, it basically references Kurt Cobain blowing his head off. My favourite colour. Yeah. And, but if you actually listen to the song... 
And th- this is where the correlation comes into the 14th track, which is rock bottom. It's sort of like a bloke who's just letting his mind escape from reality. He's just coming out with the maddest things. He's thinking of the the craziest stuff. As like the the actual comedic effect comes into it, because I look at "Come On Everybody" and "Rock Bottom" as, as joining songs. Because because yeah. "Come On Everybody" is this guy, you know, he's trying to be happy, he's trying to be lighthearted, he's coming out of outrageous things to distract himself, and then "Rock Bottom's the depressive side of it, even though. Rock bottom. If I'm right in saying that, sorry, come on, everybody was Dina Ray's debut as well. Wasn't it, it was, yeah. Track thirteen, girl. She was named for the first three albums. Yeah. Um. So obviously, rock bottom is more more about Eminem and his growing up, but it's the fact that I don't know if if you actually take the time to listen to both songs, it's sort of like they intertwine, which I thought was very good. Um. And it, the the actual song, like I say, there, there's not a whole bunch to other than the fact that it is just a comedic song and that, and that is what it's designed to be. Um, now, obviously, going on to Rock Bottom, everyone, the back the backstory with this is obviously him growing up poor in Detroit, him struggling to put clothes on his daughter's back, him struggling to feed, you know, the people around him is, you know, came his daughter, you know, family, this and the other. He basically had nothing and, you know, no one with him. But... It's a very dark song. I mean, there's quite a few dark songs on this album, but that is... I mean, the name is called Rock Bottom. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, it's it's a very dark, suicidal song. Obviously, the biggest misconception, though, is that everyone's convinced that... um, Again, reverting back to Come On Everybody, where he says, I tried suicide once. Like, everyone's convinced this track mm-hmm. um, Eminem wrote before he attempted a suicide. It wasn't. He basically just had a slight overdose. Um, yeah. Just because he was young and a bit dumb. And obviously, that's where the misconception of the song comes from. But, like I say, like, like you've just mentioned, Danny, the whole song is just very, very dark. But, it drives a strong I message. Was, I think it was around the time when he he lost it to the Rap, Rap Olympics, then he came back to Detroit, and I think yeah, his house got burgled as well. There was that that whole period where he was he didn't have a job, like he was skint, and like he had no income coming in, and I think that's around about the time that he probably yeah. So on top of being burgled, he'd actually um, had an eviction notice as well basically the day before he was he was burgled yeah. so obviously like say like this is a man who's basically come to the end of his tether do you know what I mean like it, what was the point in continuing when everything's been taken away from you um, but like, and like say it's just it's brilliant storytelling but it is a very dark song um, yeah, very dark and sad yeah. song but it's yeah the way the way the story's been, been told in it is it's really, yeah. really well, well yeah. done. And so, moving on to the next track is "Just Don't Give a Fuck," which is another another song off the uh, Slim Shady EP. Um, and the this is my favorite song off the whole album. the The attitude of it, the whole message of it, is absolutely brilliant. Another one by the ba- uh, by the Bass Brothers. 
on on real Honestly, the, the the base brothers need fucking come oh. back seriously. Like, well, every every obviously there's a lot of good tracks on this album, but every sort of standout track, like all you guys have said, produced by the the, the base brothers, yeah. and you're thinking, oh, come on, so yeah, hopefully that. Happens. And obviously, this is the the main re. Well, this song, to my knowledge, is the main reason why Jimmy Irene really sent this uh, sent that EP to Dre. You know the one that he was given because he listened to it and he just thought this is so outlandish, this is brilliant, it's absolute gold dust. You know, it's like I, I like the references in you know he pays homage to Tupac in the, you know in the chorus, and I, I I like the whole attitude of it. It's like nothing you can say, nothing you can do bothers me because I, I I don't give a bollocks, mate. I'm not asked. You know, like like if if you want to talk about me, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. You know, you, like. It's it's brilliant. Thing that this was the the critics had a lot a lot to do with, with this track as well because like Infinite did flop quite yeah, a lot, and, obviously... um, and it, it was bashed by the critics. So I think that it's also mm. a sort of like fuck use to them. As and well. like I say, yeah, um, again, like th- to be fair, the the series of tracks in the section I've been given is they're, they're really good storytelling all intertwined with them. I, I understand. Just don't give a fuck was made before. The, the two tracks uh, come on everybody in rock bottom. But the actual backstory of it is brilliant because obviously, like you've just mentioned, Infinite flopped. His job wasn't going great. And his whole attitude at that point was, do you know what? I don't give a fuck no more. You know, I, like my attitude needs to change for me to progress. And obviously I ended up paying out for him. Do you know what I mean? Like his attitude changed. Right. And, and, and he was determined from that point. So, yeah. That that's that's basically all I've got for my five. Unfortunately, it's a strong. That is a strong, a really strong five that you got. Um, you know, my fault. King Kenneth also been been a skip, but yeah, coming everybody, rock bottom, and just don't give a fuck. And, and so, to be fair, the, the yeah. chart success as well. I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I do believe just don't give a fuck in the states did actually quite well. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously, <laughs> because of the title of the track, obviously that was soon stopped. And if it came out in the streaming era, it would have probably done really well as, as well. Probably done even better. Absolutely, yeah. That's the sort of impact that this era has on it. So, yeah, cheers for that, Blake. So, Ross, will uh, get your... Uh, this is the final five uh, from mm. uh, the album as well. So, yeah, take, take it away. So, uh, obviously, the first, the next one that comes after, um, just still don't give a fuck, is um, the soap skit. Um, which I didn't really think meant much. I never really paid much attention to it. But when I looked online, it actually is meant to be a direct reference to a soap opera at the time that was called As the World Turns. Um, ah, right, and it okay. always reminded me of like, you know, when you, were, when you were younger and you put a movie on when you went to bed and you woke up at 3am and the TV's on and you're a bit like, what is happening? Like, yeah, yeah. You don't really know what the TV show is about, but it's just happening. But the yeah, the series is about characters that go through trials and tribulations, which is, again, something that gets mentioned quite a lot in As the World Turns. Um, which is, again, not a very popular track well, from what I've seen online, but mm-hmm. nothing is on Twitter, is it? So, no, But yeah, I see a lot of people definitely. say they want the new, the old Slim Shady back, but I think this is really sort of the pinnacle of what his storytelling was capable of. It was just the most ridiculous, almost cartoonistic sort of uh, like song in the world. And he actually said in an interview with Q Magazine that when he made that, he had literally no idea what direction it was going in and that he was trying to make like the whitest and trashiest cartoon he could. 
out of like a song and it just you, obviously you've got a lot of references to him sort of attacking fat people which uh, people are sort of speculated is a reference to the song Fat Girls by NWA mm-hmm. obviously he worked with Dre on this album quite a lot so um, but I really like it it also turned out to be the sample for The Reunion by Bad Meets Evil later on um, which is quite cool sure it did sure it did yeah. Yeah. and then uh, I didn't know if, what you what did you guys think of the song personally I, I, I really enjoy As The World Turns I quite go back to this one quite a lot out of the rest of the album yeah like it's just not not a top of my list on the album um the, the next track that you're going to mention is one of my favorites but mm. um yeah it's, it's 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 a sort of sad song as well like there's quite a lot of sad songs it is yeah on this album but um it's certainly yeah it's certainly a strong it's certainly a strong uh, track from this album yeah and then um obviously that then goes into i'm shady which is, uh, th- this is a very Slim Shady song. It is about him, obviously, sort of being the, the, the drug pusher that you would go to if you needed anything. Um, it, it sounds very similar to Curtis Mayfield's Pusherman. Um, I don't know if mm-hmm. any of you guys have heard that. Yeah, I um, think it's an official sample from that. Yeah. Track, yeah. And um, he wrote that song, actually, while he was living with, living with Kim in an upstairs apartment. Um, he said that again to Q Magazine. So that sort of shows you just, again, the sort of standard he was, he was living in at the time, but still finding ways to sort of shock as well, um, which obviously has stood out quite a lot on this whole album. Um, the themes are sort of everywhere, aren't they? You know, it goes from yeah. uh, wacky sort of serial killer, weird lyrics to quite deep and meaningful songs, which I think is really good. But again, this album, this song in particular, yeah, it's definitely up there. It's produced by the Bass Brothers, obviously. Um, I don't know if anyone would have guessed <laughs> that at this point, but yeah, they're literally <laughs> everywhere at this point. So um, some seriously controversial lyrics on this one. I actually think it might be one of the most controversial on the album um, with some of the shit that comes out of him on this song. But um, it then sort of moves on to uh, Bad Meets Evil. This one, I don't really go to that much. As much as everyone says, oh, their new music is amazing. Um, it is. Their new stuff together is great. I just don't... It didn't never really click with me. Um, yeah. The actual... At the beginning of the song, the cowboy in the intro is uh, Jeff Bass or Jeff Bass, however you say his name, who is also the producer for the song as well. Um, so that's actually him doing the voiceover in the beginning, which is quite funny. Ah, right, okay. Wow. Um, it's like more of like a country western sort of was, vibe yeah. to it as well, isn't it? Like the start of it. Yeah, almost a bit like uh, the whole theme was a bit like the the town isn't big enough for the two of us, is it? Until mm-hmm. up until up until a certain point, but again, quite popular. This did quite well. Obviously, they then turned into Bad Meets Evil later on, which became an actual sort of rap duo together, didn't they? Um, and then yeah, that goes on to Still Don't Give a Fuck, which is a sort of a Directly, um, direct sequel to the the earlier one. Just don't give a fuck. Which I think I've sort of thought about this earlier when we were doing our research. Was you have the beginning song earlier, the version where it says just don't give a fuck, and then he's got these outrageous sort of songs in between, and yeah. then he's sort of ending the album saying, like, see what I, mean? I still don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. you can say what you want, you can moan all you want. I've just said the most outrageous shit in the last three or four songs, and now I'm going to make one telling you I still do not care what you think. Which I I go back to this one quite a lot. Um, definitely worth like a, a listen if you don't really listen to Eminem's newer stuff not older stuff sorry see a lot of fans recently that are getting into his older stuff again which is good um, it definitely seems to come and go but I don't know what you guys thought of the, the last couple of songs as a whole yeah I think that like I, I'm, Sh- I'm Shady is really good Bad Meets Evil like I prefer obviously the, the more recent music but it's yeah. okay uh, but to end it with uh, Still Don't Give a Fuck that was really a really strong strong track to, to end to it as well yeah, um, definitely. And yeah, I mean, it's it's very, it's, it's obviously still very raw at this moment. You know, he's just, as I said, it's his second, 
second album, albeit it's his debut mainstream label release. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of sort of not weak tracks, but you know there's a little imbalance in some of them. But I, I would say uh, the segment that Blake had, when it goes from my fault to Ken Kniff, come on everybody, rock bottom, just don't give a fuck, and then. By the time you get back up to I'm Shady and then it goes down a little bit and then the ending we still don't give a fuck. So it's, yeah, that is a good album. Really, really strong album. What is your, I'll get each of these obviously, we'll go with uh, Jake first of all. Jake, from your uh, your five tracks that you had, what what would your favourite out, out of those be? Um, of the five that I had, it probably yeah, the, sort of, the best one or the strongest song from it. Uh, possibly be if I had, like mm-hmm. as much as I love role model, I think that's only up in like my top five in mind, only because it's stuck in my head so much. Whereas actually thinking of it properly, I do think it is probably going to be like if I had, just because of the type of song that it is. It's not one that you hear much of um, at the time, especially now as well. Um, like you know you hear some things like it but not the way that that one kind of went and stuff and it still gives you an insight as to how bad it can be for some people when they're just starting out to the point where they just want to just get a million dollars just so they can just fuck with everything in a sense yeah Um, it's more than likely going to be that if it was of the whole album though it's either got to be rock bottom or still don't give a fuck for the entire album Good choices. Blake, yourself, the little segment that you had, what is your favourite track from those five? And then overall, what what would your favourite track off the album be? Oh, to be fair, out of the five I was given, my personal favourite is probably Come On Everybody, just because of the beat. Uh, it, it makes me want to bounce, if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's a good beat, and it's not, it's quite a fun song. Oh, I get um, I bought my my personal favorite purely because of the story behind it. It's got to be the Ken Kniff skit. <laughs> yeah, that is just, good. But um, out the whole album, uh, I would probably say either Role Model or As the World Turns. Yeah, because I, both tracks are so well done. Um, obviously they're not the. As as the world turns a little bit more of a sadder song, but obviously Raw Model was basically just a big fuck you to people saying that you need to, you know, like like clean up your you know clean up your act sort of thing, and he was like, no, I am who I am. Yeah. So what about your, yeah. what about Ross as well? Like your little segment, what would you say is the strongest at them, and and then overall, what's your favourite? I think out of my the the if you don't include the skits so the four that I've I've got I would say I'm probably going to go with I'm Shady is my favourite but oh no I don't know I'm really really torn because if I could basically say what Blake said uh, out of all the whole album it would either be Role Model or As the World Turns um, I really enjoy both of those songs but I do think I'm Shady is heavily underrated and that is one I'll probably end up going back to again soon so I'll probably stick with that. Uh, and then, what what was your view? Just all three of you. What what was your view on uh, the the album artwork? Because obviously, you've got the main artwork, which was sort of purple. But then inside the booklet, if you remember, with the sort of crushed Vicodin, there was quite a lot of good good artwork from that. A lot of M and M fans have actually got 
some tattoos of, of those kind of sketches as well. What was your views on them? Yeah, like the artwork for the inside, that was something that went really hard, especially like for the album as well, with it fitting with every theme of the songs and stuff. Like if you remember the RV with the mushrooms growing out of it and stuff, kind of fell into my fault. Uh, the Crush Biker didn't just being in like pretty much any vibe of each of the songs. Um, the artwork for the album was really good and it sucks that you don't see things like that anymore. Uh, I really wish you would do, but it's something that I wish he'd possibly, you know, bring back for his next album and stuff like that instead of just like a small picture booklet of, you know, a photo shoot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fairly certain a few of you would agree there as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, the artwork was actually definitely really a lot of on on the, the artwork and for the booklet as well for it, you know, it was very well done. Um, what about Blake? What's your views on the the art the artwork? To be fair, when I think of the artwork, not included like the actual. As soon as you look at the album, the artwork, first thing that stands out to me, obviously, and I, I know you've got him standing on that pier, you know, him and Haley. You've got Kim in the trunk of the car. The first thing that actually stands out to me is how the Slim Shady LP is in different colours, like the letters are all in different colours. Mm-hmm. Um. I, d- I don't know, like, I don't know if it was done intentionally, but it's just, like, little things like that. Obviously, you've got the whole purple theme of it, but then you've just got these little specks of colours coming out, and I look like this, it's like, it's a very, like, Slim Shady as a general is a very dark character, but there's also quite a comedic element of it, and obviously, as soon as you open the artwork, it's that video of him in that yellow, green, blue, red background, him in a white shirt covered in blood. So it's a very serious character, but with quite a comedic side of him. Yes. So I, I like all that little aspect of it. Yeah, Ross, what about yourself? It, it's funny because I think when, as, as Blake was mentioning there, with the fact that the Slim Shady LP is written in different colours, I think from the whole album, I've sort of TV has been sort of a pivotal point from the, the start to the beginning. You have like a public service announcement, which sounds like it's being delivered on the news. Um, you have then My Name Is in the music video. He's obviously famously referencing, is it the Brady Bunch? Which is the, he's got all the different heads yeah. of Slim Shady. Um, I don't know if it was because he's sarcastically riding on the fact that this isn't meant to be for children, but at the same time, the way he sort of addresses the audience in some songs, like, hi kids, do you like, he's aware it's going to get there anyway. And I think it's sort of meant to be the fact that he's quite playful. The whole album artwork itself, though, is, like you said, quite dark. Um, the moon is obviously huge in that as well, which just sort of suggests it's a bit like, eerie. Um, and then, is that actually meant to be Kim in the in the boot? I didn't know that was meant to be Kim. I thought it was someone in, like, yeah. a suit. Yeah, yeah so yeah. with Kim being a prequel to 97 Bonnie and Clyde, that's where mm. they're just about to, just, like, dispose of the body and stuff. And uh, Kim yeah, and yeah. Haley's just at the page, just, like, when he says, uh, we're going to the beach, build the sandcastle, stuff like that, in... Yeah. Uh, not so long, I would imagine that's the pier where the beach and stuff and like is right next to. I'd imagine. Yeah, because so it's, it's more really intriguing. Kim in the trunk. When you look at the the photo with, uh, I'm guessing that's that obviously that's meant to be Eminem and then Haley on the pier. She's she's like playfully sort of looking over as if there's something in the water. So I was wondering if he's already dropped Kim off and this is somebody else he's he's killed. But obviously you just never know with him. So, but I just thought it was really interesting that he's got his daughter on the front, his first album, <laughs> uh, regardless yeah. of how he looks at it for the rest of his life. People are going to be like, oh, I, I knew you. The very first time I ever saw you, you were on the front of an album with your dead mum in the boot. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> pretty mad. Uh, right, guys, final um, final question of uh, the show. Um, just your, your overall uh, rating of the album out, out of 10, uh, just based on 
you know, lyricism, you know, choruses, production, just everything. Um, we'll go with we'll go with Jake first of all. Um, what's your 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 rating out of it? Based on everything in terms of way it comes down to production style, the lyrics, um, you know, how well the songs fit and everything, I'm gonna give that like an eight point four, maybe an eight point five. Uh, there could have been a few things done better. Um. But at the same time, it is still a very strong album. And for a debut, like mainstream debut album, that was very, very good for, you know, its first, like, you know, proper debut album. Um, just as you were talking, like, last time about 57 stuff, it's possibly up there in some of the best debuts, yeah. um, in my opinion as well. But for me, I'd say around about an 8.5 for the album itself. Yeah. Ross? Yeah, I'm I'm literally the same as Jay. That eight point five for me. Like, the, there's some beats on here that I probably wouldn't have chosen, but again, there's a lot of music on here now that doesn't sound anything like his current music. So it depends what you're into, and I suppose that's the, the benefit of having an artist that's so broad and been doing it for so long. But yeah, I'd probably say eight and a half for me as well. Yeah, Blake, what about yourself? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm in the exact same boat as uh, Jake and Ross here. Um, it's one of those for me. The, the album following is a better rating for me. This album, though, as a debut album, considering how outrageous it was and considering the backlash it got from it, obviously you've got the lyricism aspect, you've got the storytelling aspect. It is a fantastic album. And obviously it's the album that kicked off what most of us call the holy trinity of albums. You know, and I like the story behind the whole album. So obviously this is the introduction to Slim Shady. It's the introduction to him as an artist, obviously for the world, and it's I, I love how much free like free range he got on the whole album. You know, from not just Doctor Dre side, but like it must have been very pleasing for him to have so many tracks that he's previously recorded from this. But like for example, the ones that he's done in nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety six. Yeah, because to me that just shows how good of an artist he actually was. He just needed that chance. <clears throat> but yeah, but factoring all those, that, yeah, I'm I'm about the same. I'm I'd probably say about an eight point five to be fair, mate. Yeah, um, uh, it's quite funny because before I even like, had the question, I've already wrote my rating down like a few days ago, and it's it's written down as eight point five. So I think that will be a full clean sweep uh, that we can agree agree on that. So yeah, it's a very strong mainstream debut, and you know, of course, it led to. Uh, the Marshall Mathers LP, it led to Eight Mile, it led to the Eminem show, and you know it's it was a great start starting point uh, of an album. And yeah, as of uh, the twenty third of this month, uh, it will be twenty four years old, uh, which is insane. So yeah, that was our full review of the Slim Shady LP. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for tuning in. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for another episode. Uh, just before I go, thank you, Ross, Blake, Jamie and Jake. Uh, cheers, guys. That was some unbelievable knowledge that you had on those tracks as well. Good good digging, good revision as well. So, um, That's all good, man. Yeah, well done, lads. And, yeah, thank you, everyone. And we'll see you again shortly. Cheers. Thanks very cheers. much.